highest of heights to the depths of the sea. And then verse 12, it says, Most assuredly, Jesus said to his disciples, I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. This seems like a long shot, doesn't it? When you think of all that Jesus has done, the many miracles that he did. But yet, when he, when he ascended into heaven, he says, I must go to the Father, because then I can send the Spirit of God unto you. See, through the Spirit, you and I have the capability now to reach many people. Uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus began giving assurances to the disciples on the night of his departure. He encouraged them to trust in, rely on, and cling to him in faith based on who he is, the words he spoke, and the miracles he had done. Jesus also described the benefit or blessing that comes to one who believes. Jesus expected those who believe in him to carry on his work in the world. He didn't expect his disciples to disband after his departure, but to carry on his work in even greater magnitude. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. About education. You can educate somebody with all the truth, but they've got to believe it. Aren't you glad that we have had the Spirit of God in us that's, that's confirming these things to us? As we read it, we're like, this is truth, and you know what? Nobody can take this away. Do you feel like that, Christian? Do you know that you, the truths and the promises that God has given to you, no one can take them away from you? No one can take them away from you, and don't let anybody try. You stand on that truth, and you stand on that word of God, and you hold fast to it, and don't let anybody nudge you, because you are right, and they are wrong. And can I say that, just be out of my own, some kind of uh, personal bravado? No, no, no bravado of my own, because I believe this. And Jesus has been faithful every single moment, every single day. He has been faithful. He will never cease to be faithful or he'll never cease to be unfaithful. He'll always be faithful. You can trust him. And Jesus not only is the way and the, and the truth, but he's also the life. There is no life outside of Jesus because he is the author of it. To desire a life apart from the creator is foolishness. What does it tell us in John chapter 1, verse 4? In him, in Christ, in this word of God was life, and the life was the light of men. What did he tell Martha in John chapter 11? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And who believes in me, though he may die, he will live for eternity. He will have everlasting life if he believes in me. But if you don't believe in Jesus, you will live an everlasting death. Yes, everlasting torment. Hell is very real. And there's only two options on the table. There's only two doors. The door is narrow. 
You have to believe in Christ. Do you believe in Christ? Do you really believe in him? Because if I really do believe in him, it's going to change my life. If I've got no evidence in my life that there's changes, that God is working in me, this righteousness and the spirit of God indwelling me, convicting me of my own sin and giving me the strength and the power and the boldness to go out into a world that needs to know, if that is not happening, I've got every reason to question whether I even know him or not, whether I'm really saved or not. You must know. You must know and know it. I need to know it. There is no way that I could stand up here and talk to you unless I was hook, line, and sinker. Because if I wasn't hook, line, and sinker, somebody should take my place. Because that is the truth. That is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and he is also the life. Jesus said in John 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and I will go... And, and we'll go in and out and find pasture. And the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come, notice, that they may have life and that they might have it life more abundantly. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And notice, no man comes to the Father except through me. Yes, all roads do not lead to God, and yet they do. All roads do not lead to God, and yet they do. What are you talking about? Yeah, there's only one way through Christ. For a believer to stand in his presence, there's only one way. It's Jesus Christ. That's why he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way. But yet, all these other roads that have been purporting to give you some kind of satisfaction or some kind of spiritual help, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, you name it, the list is long. Anything other than Jesus Christ, all those other roads are going to lead to Christ because the Bible tells us, what does it tell us? (laughs) At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And that's at the great white throne judgment. All roads are going to ultimately lead to God. But if you're a believer, you won't be bowing your knee and saying this to God and acknowledging his deity, acknowledging his power. You've already done that, and you're in the Beloved but there will be those who will stand before him and they will, they will bow their knee. The atheists, the politicians, the doctors, the lawyers, the professors, every man and woman who has rejected Christ will bow, they will bow their knee to Christ before he sends them to an eternity of condemnation, they will bow their knee and say that he is Christ, that he is Lord of all. And do you think that pleases the Lord? He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. He does not. He'd much rather have you come to him. And why is it so hard? Why are you resisting? Why are you struggling and, and, and fussing and fighting and kicking and spitting and biting? Why, are you, why do you continue to be like that proverbial dog that just digs in his heels while his owner is trying to drag him? Like I've seen that lady dragging a dog in Florida. And she's trying, she, this little lady, she's got this huge dog on a leash, and the dog is really taking her for a walk, not the other way around. And the dog doesn't want to go, and this 85-pound 85, 85 lady is not going to move that 120-pound dog. He's going to dictate where they go. 
Why do we dig in our heels? Jesus said, if you had known me, verse 7, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. And this is what the Logos is. This is the word of God is Jesus, the Logos. And when we think of the word logo, you've heard me say this before, a logo means something. It stands for the purpose, the idea, the vision, the character. It stands for something, brand recognition. We all look around and we see a logo and it means something to us. We know whether that company is, is good or bad or indifferent. We know whether they're a company of quality, of integrity or not. And Jesus is saying, I am the word of God. That means he is the logo. He represents God. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. And Jesus represents God the Father very perfectly. And so Philip says, verse 8, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. But see, God is a spirit. And we cannot see him with this, in this body. We are not able to. In fact, Moses, in Exodus chapter 33, Moses wanted to see God the Father. And God spoke to him, and he says, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord says, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. And so it shall be that while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by, and then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. The glory of God in this body would disintegrate us. You cannot see God as spirit face-to-face in this, in this tent. That's why we need a new tent. That's why we need to be, when we are raptured, we'll have a body that will be able to stand before God and not fall to pieces because of the brightness. I don't know about you, doesn't that just lift you? To think of that, 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 that is where our worship can begin is to think about that. Can you imagine being in the presence of somebody so pure and so holy, so loving? You know, it's almost like the dread. There's so much dread, but yet on the same side, there's this love and grace and forgiveness, and it's just completely overwhelming. It's like, how can you even imagine that? And to be able to stand there, I mean, it just almost makes your knees start knocking together before it even happens. That is who he is. Let your heart be carried away with that. Man, it just gives me goosebumps to think that's the reality of who Jesus is and that's who the one that we are going to see. We're going to see God the Father. We're going to see the Son. And Jesus said to him, to Philip, verse 9, Have I been so long with you and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? In John 1.18 it says, No one has seen God at any time. But the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. And so, verse 10, Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, Jesus says to Philip, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. So believe in me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Yes, the Trinity Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. This word Trinity, many of you know this. You won't find the word Trinity in the Bible, but it's everywhere. We're not going to go through all of these, but in the beginning of the very first few words of the Bible, in the beginning, God. God is Elohim. It's a plural noun, but yet it's one God. In Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Who is he speaking to? Who is he speaking? He says, our, and our likeness. Who is he speaking of? He's speaking of the Son and the Holy Spirit that are one with him. 
God in three persons, but one God. One God. Isaiah says in verse chapter 44, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer. I thought there's only one God. Yes, there is, but they're all one. Thus says the Lord, thus says Jehovah, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, Jehovah of hosts. I am the first and the last. Besides me, there's no other. Either God's got a, a problem or he's very comfortable with who he is. I would go with the latter. <laughs> he's very comfortable with who he is. He knows who he is. And then verse 12, it says, Most assuredly, Jesus said to his disciples, I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. This seems like a long shot, doesn't it? When you think of all that Jesus has done, the many miracles that he did, but yet when he, when he ascended into heaven, he says, I must go to the Father because then I can send the Spirit of God unto you. See, through the Spirit, you and I have the capability now to reach many people. A, 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 you know, a pastor or a, a preacher can preach to a, a stadium full of people and the Spirit of God empowering him can reach those people. It happened on the day of Pentecost. Peter, 3,000 people, unsaved, he speaks a word a very short time, and 3,000 people got saved. The Spirit of God indwelling them, it's done. And in, the, in that capacity, we have the ability to do even greater things than Jesus did while he was on the earth. Through the Spirit of God, that's what he meant by that. There's now there's no limitation. Not that there was when Jesus was here either, but he says, you know what, my Spirit is omnipresent. He can do many things. That's why you can pray right now for somebody overseas and that person can be influenced by your prayer, by God's will being done when we ask it in his name. In fact, that's what we get into next. Notice what in verse 13, he says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And notice here, we'll end with this verse. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I had you underline that, remember? In my name, such a... Three words that are so incredibly important. Because what would happen if Jesus would have said, if you ask anything, I will do it. I remember my daughter. If she's here this morning, she's going to be cringing. Because whenever I bring up her name, she's like, oh, what are you going to say? But this is kind of cute, because when she was little, I remember, she said, Daddy, if I pray for a a 200-pound chocolate bar, will Jesus give it to me? And I said, probably not, honey. He could. I mean, he could. He could produce the chocolate bar. But what would it do to her? She'd be in the bathroom sick. Because she would, like all of us, right? We're all chocolate junkies. We'd eat so much chocolate that we'd get sick to our stomach. So he wouldn't give that to her. Probably not. Unless he gave her the, the grace to handle it. But why? But, but why? Is there, is there some kind of eternal? And again, she was young and she didn't know. And I love the question because I've asked it myself. Lord, if I ask something in your name, will you give it to me? Well, it depends, Rob. What's your heart attitude in it? Do you want to just consume it on your own lust? Or is it, is it, is it part of my plan for your life? Is it part of the kingdom? Are you, are you, what are you going to do with that thing that you're asking me for, Mr. Kellogg? 
Is it going to be for your own selfish motivation or is it going to be for my kingdom? Well, if it's for your own selfish motivation, I'm not obligated to do that. In fact, I might not. And God help you if he gives it to you. And sometimes he might allow something like that to really show you where you're at. And that's the thing. I don't always want what I ask for. <laughs> I, want, I want what he wants for me. That's why in my name is so critical. When you ask in my name, I'm not asking with my own selfish motivation. I'm asking, Lord, if it, if it benefits your kingdom somehow. And that's why when we ask for, for, for God to give us his Holy Spirit to come upon us, to empower us in the world that we live in today, he's not going to say no. Receive it. You ask, he wants to give it to you. Now walk in such a way where you can receive that and be effective for him. Because he doesn't, he doesn't just do it just because it's fun to do. No, he gives it because he has a purpose in baptizing you with the Spirit of God. There's a purpose behind it. And what is that purpose? To make me feel good? To make me go in front of the cameras and have them do a big write-up on the paper on me? You know, pastor speaks and millions show up. No, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about everybody else. It's about Jesus. He wants to get that message across. So there's a purpose behind these things. So when we pray in his name, that's really critical. So if you're doing something in the name of the Lord, it had better be something that he has willed for us to do or has empowered us by the Spirit, motivated by him and not propped up by the flesh. Back in 1970, you all, most of you, I was not even one years old when this happened. But Janis Joplin wrote a song in 1970. It was called Mercedes Benz. And again, I was just months old when this was recorded. And the words to this song is interesting because this is the way a lot of people think of ask something in my name or ask something and I'll give it to you. They forget in my name. In my name is very important Because she said, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive portions, I must make amends. Worked hard all my lifetime, no help from my friends. So oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Oh Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? Dialing dialing for dollars is trying to find me. I'll wait for, for delivery each day until three. So oh Lord, won't you buy me a colored television? Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a night on the town? I'm counting on you, Lord. Please don't let me down. Prove that you love me and buy the next round. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a night on the town? Now, to her credit, Janis Joplin, I believe, uh, if, if, if this is correct, she, this is really a slam against consumerism, so I'll give her that. But there are people who actually think that. If I, if I, if I pray something, God will give it to me, and they take this promise out of context. Jesus said, if you ask anything, in my name. Well, is it in his name that he buys me a Mercedes-Benz? Is it in his will to buy another round? Probably not. Because my heart usually is not right in those situations. I just want to waste it on myself. But what if I say, Lord, I want to... I want to bless somebody else. Lord, would you bless somebody? This person doesn't have a car. This person's health is, is, is not doing so good. Lord, I want to pray for that. Lord, I want more money so that I can give. And then he gives you a really good job. And then he lets you. He gives you the ability to send a lot more money around the world to do things with, uh, to things in the church, whatever it may be. And he's answering your prayer because your heart is right. You're not asking for a Mercedes Benz. 
You're not asking for a, a, a house on the lake. Now, he may give you those things, and praise God if he does. Maybe he can give me a ride in your Benz. Give me a ride in your Mercedes. <laughs> not really. But what's the motivation of my heart? Do I really want those things? If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Are we asking anything in Jesus' name? Are we only asking him in prayer the things that can happen, the things that we might even be able to accomplish in ourselves? Have you stopped asking for the, and praying for the impossible things that are just way out of your league? Folks, let me suggest to you that neither one of those is difficult for the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with praying for the simple things. But don't forget to pray for the things that just seem absurd, but that are right. Pray for the things that are absurd, that there's no way that you can do it. You don't have any way of knowing how it could be done on this earth. Why not pray for it nonetheless? Because he has done things like that, and he can do things like that. Do you believe that? He has done things... He's come at it with a different curve. Have you noticed that? And I've been old enough now to see where things have been going a certain way, and I'm like, there is just no way that this is going to change. And all of a sudden, something changes, something simple, and it changes everything. And you're like, I did not see that coming. Completely blindsided that that could have happened. So why not pray for the big things, folks? Do we serve a small, impotent God? Or do we serve the one who created all things? You have to make that decision. I would encourage you to pray for the impossible. Storm heaven's gates with prayers that are way beyond us, way beyond our understanding and ability. And you will honor God when you do, according to his will, in his name. Amen? Let's stand. Father, we thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, thank you that you've given us the way, that you've shown us the way, that you've already been on that way before us, Lord. As a good shepherd, you've already paved the way for us. You've gone and you've, you've shown us, and you are, you are there ahead of us, Lord. As the good shepherd, you have gone before us, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you're the way, and Lord, that you're the only truth. Lord, there's no other truth apart from you. You are the truth. Your word is truth. And Lord, you're the life. You're the only life. Thank you for giving us everlasting life, Lord. I pray that everyone in earshot of this message today would understand that and grab a hold of you and allow you to transform their life. God, get a hold of us again. Lord, baptize us. As we get into the rest of this chapter next week, Lord, would you? we don't want to wait. We want you to come today, Lord. Fill us. For this week, for instances, the things that we're going to encounter this week, people, groups of people, whatever it may be, baptize us, Lord, and help us to be truthful. Help us to be honest and upright, even when it hurts, even when everyone abandons us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.